It is breathed by God himself. It is sharper than any two-edged sword and pierces deep into the soul. We need his word to train us and to teach us how to live righteously. In his word, we find life. Heaven and earth will pass away, but the word of God will stand forever. Trust in his eternal word and he will guide your path. If you're glad for the word of God, let me hear your hands this morning. Good to see you here this morning. Glad that you made it in on this cold Iowa morning. Isn't it a good day to be in the house of God? Amen. Amen. We're privileged this morning to have a guest with us, Pastor Don Miller. I was surprised to find out that he began his ministry in southern Missouri at the wise old age of 16. That's amazing. So he's been serving in ministry now for five or six years. He's served as a youth pastor, as a youth and children's pastor. He and his wife, Vicki, served as the lead pastor at Ashgrove Assembly of God in Missouri for 25 years until he was elected in 2011 as the district superintendent of the Southern Missouri District. In 2019, he was elected to serve um, as a national executive presbyter. He served in various sectional and district leadership roles. He's a graduate of Central Bible College and holds a master, that's right, a master of organizational leadership from Evangel University. But most importantly, with all of that that he's accomplished, most importantly, Don and Vicki are the parents of Brittany Wilson. Yeah. Brittany and her wife, uh, Brittany and her husband Brock are part of our, an important part of our worship team and we're glad to have them. And um, they also have three other daughters, Ashley, Brooklyn, and Christian. And so I think a man's family speaks well of who he is, who they are, and what they've accomplished. And we've had a few opportunities to interact together and share together, and I've really looked forward to what God will do this morning. And here's what I want to say to you, what I've come to believe about Don Miller. Two things that I think shine through him very clearly. He's a man of spiritual passion and a man of integrity. And I'm honored to invite him to speak to you from our pulpit this morning. Would you give a welcome to Pastor Don Miller? Bless you, sir. Appreciate you. Good morning. What an awesome place to be on Sunday morning. This is fabulous. Worship team, thank you for just bringing us right into the presence of God today. We are so honored. Vicky and I are. Vicky, why don't you stand real quick? Oh, come on, you can do it. Yeah. We are so honored to be at Berea today. I've heard so many, we've heard so many good things about my, my wife as we pulled in. She said, yeah, I remember being, see, she's been here before I haven't. So this is my first time here, my first time to have the wonderful experience of being at this church. And we've, we've had numerous opportunities to interact with your pastor and his wife, and we count them as a friend. But our view of this church, though we've heard so many great things about it, our view of this church has magnified significantly a few years ago when our kids, our daughter Brittany, our son-in-law, which we really consider our son Brock, moved to Des Moines and began attending here. Pastor Gary and Carol, I cannot thank you enough, cannot thank you enough 
for the way you've welcomed our children. Congregation, thank you for making them feel right at home. We appreciate that so much. That blesses a mama and daddy's heart. You know, you learn a lot about a church when you walk in the door. Part of it's because of the fact that we're at a different church every week. And so, you know, we just, we just never, you, just, you just walk into a lot of different circumstances, situations. But, but you learn a lot when you walk in the door. When you walk in the door, you begin to sense, I believe, the spiritual tone of the church. Now, I'm not saying this is not the house of God. This is the house of God. But this is where the family of God worships. And I believe that there's a residual effect whenever the presence of God is welcomed into a place. So the minute you walk in, even you walk into an empty building, I believe that you sense the presence of God in a place where the presence of God is always welcome. I loved walking through the hallways just for a couple of moments a day with Pastor Gary, and, and I, I already knew him, but, but I mean, I just went, wow, what a pastor's heart. I watched the smiles as people reached out and greeted him, and as he greeted them, and I thought, this man has an amazing pastor's heart along with his wife, Carol. You are so blessed to have your pastors here. <clears throat> Now, Pastor Gary had told me, he said, if you're going to be in town, let me know. You know, he wanted to have me to speak. And I said, you know, I, I went ahead and let him know. I said, you know, we, we just, we'd be just fine, though. Just, I'd be glad to just hear some good preaching this morning. But he asked if I would go ahead and share. And so I really believe that there's a, uh, I believe there's a purpose in this today. I, I believe that we're here on purpose with a purpose. And I'm really believing that God's going to speak to some hearts today. Really, I believe that God's going to speak to everyone. But I believe that there's a few in this room that God's going to speak specially to from his word. Today, he wants to begin a fresh work in your heart. He wants to begin a walk of freedom like you may have never realized was even possible. Now, notice I said start. This, this may not be an instantaneous work. There will be the immediate lift and relief but there may very well be some ongoing work which God will perform in your heart over a period of time as he grants you a very special inner healing. There are some of you that are not experiencing the presence of God in the way that you desire. Matter of fact, you're carrying something right now which is weighing you down. It will hinder you from becoming all that God intended for you to be. And I'm here today to tell you that you do not have to be shackled in this Wait, today you can be free. There's a number of times I've shared this message and every time the Lord prompts my heart and allows me and lets me know that I get to share this word, there's just this level of excitement that comes in me because I believe that at the end of the service today, there are gonna be some people that are radically, will be radically set free. Are you ready for that today? John chapter 19, verse 16 says this. Finally, Pilate handed him over to be crucified. So the soldiers took charge of him. Carrying his own cross, he went out to the place of the skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. Here they crucified him. And with him, two others. One on each side and Jesus in the middle. We jump to verse 23 and it says this. When the soldiers crucified Jesus, they took his clothes 
Often when we reflect on the scenes of the cross, we're reminded of the sacrifice that Jesus, our Lord, made for us. In the passage which we often use when Paul is telling us how to celebrate the Lord's Supper, he says to us, remind, it is to remind us of the Lord's death until he comes. As we think on the cross, we're reminded that God's holiness demands justice. That the only justice for us was the death penalty. You see, there was no other price that could be paid for sin. Nothing else could pay the full penalty of the fact that we had done wrong except for death. But thank the Lord, Jesus took our place. Aren't you thankful for that? He took our guilt You know, in today's court system, there's several different things that they can do for someone, even when they're found guilty. Sometimes they'll say, you know what, this is your first offense. You've not really been doing that many things bad wrong. And so, well, I'll tell you what, we will put you on probation. You're still guilty. But we're going to give you a break here. And as long as you don't do anything else wrong in these next three to five years, you don't have to do any prison time, you're on probation. Or else someone goes to prison and they say, you're guilty, but I'll tell you what, we're going to, you've been a really good prisoner and so we're going to let you out. But just understand, this is still hanging over your head. You're still guilty. If you're on parole, but if you do anything else wrong, you're going to go right back into this place. But I want you to know, thank God, that whenever God the Father looks down upon us, when he looks at the sin that we had, and when we have been clothed with the righteousness of Jesus Christ. He does not put us on parole. He does not put us on probation. He drops the gavel and says not guilty. The guilt is gone. He took our penalty. He took our curse. Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. The various passages in the Bible that speak of blessing and curse. There's a number of places where you see someone laying their hand on the head of a child and speaking blessing over them. And I, I believe that that is a very powerful thing that sometimes we in the church of Jesus Christ have missed. The opportunity of speaking blessing into the life of our children. And then there are other times that are curse. On the day of atonement, the high priest would bring before him the scapegoat, the Azazel, the, that goat that would take the place of, this, of, of, of the sins of Israel, of, of the pact that they really deserved death. And what the high priest would do is he would lay his hand upon the head of the scapegoat and he would pronounce the sins of Israel upon that goat. And then they would take it out into the wilderness. And and it was believed symbolically that that goat was carrying the sin. That it became sin for the Israelites. I want you to know that 2,000 years ago, God the Father reached down out of heaven and laid his hand on the head of his son in the garden of Gethsemane. And in that garden, he pronounced curse upon him. He who knew no sin became sin for us so that we could become the righteousness of God. He took upon himself our sins. God laid his hand upon him and pronounced death and he gave us life. He pronounced sickness and he gave us health. He pronounced sorrow and he gave us joy. And he pronounced turmoil and war and he gave us peace. Aren't you thankful for that? 
But thank God, for, thank God for all those things what Jesus provided on Calvary. But some time ago, I discovered something that Jesus took that I'd never seen before. This revelation was absolutely brought to me by my wife. Those of you who are married men, that should be a, come as no surprise. I'm just saying. We were talking about individuals who were abused, particularly as a child, and how they often carry feelings with them. Matter of fact, we were ministering to a lady by the name of Rondi. My wife and I had the privilege of ministering in the same church for 25 years. All four of our children got to go K through 12 through the same school. Not a lot of pastors get to do that. We feel very blessed and honored by that. There was one particular time that as we were pastoring, it was 19, March of 1996, and a young lady walked in the door, and her name was Rondi, and Rondi's given me permission to use her name, and and on an Easter Sunday morning, it was either March or April, on an Easter Sunday morning, Mar- Rondi came forward and she accepted the Lord as her personal Savior. But her journey wasn't over yet. Because her friend who had brought her to church brought her to visit with me. And as my wife and I visited with her in and, and the next few months, we found out some things that were very horrendous. We discovered that Rondi, who was now a young lady who was married, had three children, we discovered that as, as we began to minister to her, there are a lot of things that began to come to the surface and she began to be open to us and, and divulge to us that from her earliest memories through all the time that she lived in her home with her mother and then stepmother and stepfather that she was physically, emotionally, and sexually abused on a regular basis. It was horrendous. I could not even tell you the things that happened to Rondi. But what was really sad is what it did to her very being. Now, now there's some things that just blowed my mind as she talked with me and shared some of the things that happened. Matter of fact, what's, what just, just totally overwhelms me is she would, she would make herself as undesirable. I mean, as four or five-year-old child trying to make herself undesirable. And she said one particular day, she was hiding in the closet, hoping that they would not find her. And she said, I remember there is this memory that came back to me that there was a man in a white robe holding me in the closet. Even in all the horrendous things that were going on, Jesus was there for this little girl. And now here's Rondi, married to children. But her senses had literally shut down. She saw in black and white. If you asked her what her favorite food was, she would look at you with a really weird look because she didn't eat for the sense of enjoying food, but simply to have nourishment so that she could care for her family. There are so many things that she did not hear and she had never as far as I know, in her life, ever looked at her children and said to them, I love you. Because for her, love was not a very pretty word. But we watched as God began to minister to her, as he began to take the layer upon layer off, we watched as she began to experience inner healing. And and I'll never forget when she said to me, my favorite food is shrimp. I mean, it's just, you know, She's beginning to get her senses back. And the most beautiful thing of all, though, was when, when, when she was able to tell us that she had looked her children in the eye and said to them for the very first time, I love you. And we watched her children begin to flourish and, and to begin to, to take on new life because they were experiencing in a new way the love of their mother. Before God had brought an inner healing to her, her, she would never look anybody in the eyes. She would always be head down. She, she wouldn't look up. There was always this thing that hung over her head. 
As I was dealing with Rondi and a couple of other individuals that were going through some similar situations, I became very frustrated and perplexed. I said to Vicki, I don't understand. Why do they feel this way? They didn't do anything wrong. It was done to them. Why would they feel guilty? And why can't they release it? And that's when the earth-shattering thought was introduced by my wife. She said to me, Don, she doesn't call me pastor very often. She said, Don, they're not experiencing guilt. They're experiencing shame. And then the light came on. You see, shame is this powerful, painful emotion that appears as a strong sense of guilt, embarrassment, unworthiness, or disgrace. It causes a person to feel unworthy, worthless, dishonored, disgraced, and condemned. It's that emotion and attitude which causes us literally to hang our head and not look others in the eyes. It causes us to feel doomed and hopeless. The pit seems too big to climb out of. And something tells us that we deserve that pit. So why should we expect to be pulled out of it anyway? That's shame. There are really two types of shame. One is true shame. It's a shame for doing something wrong. We, we hang our heads when we're called into account for something we've done. I, we've never figured out exactly what happened, but one of our grandsons, when he was about two, maybe two and a half years old, his, his nana walked into the room. We have absolutely no idea what he did, but when she walked into the room, he just walked over and put his head in the corner. There's something about that guilt and about shame that nobody has to tell you to hang your head. It happens automatic. We feel ashamed of what we have done. We, we see it in the Garden of Eden. Remember, I told you about this is the, about the presence of God. And Adam and Eve, Eve are in the garden and they normally walked with God during the cool of the day. But this time God comes into the garden and they're hiding. Why? They're filled with shame for their disobedience. True shame can be a positive motivator to take us toward forgiveness. But the real danger is when we hold on to shame, even when our sins have been forgiven. There's so many people that are walking around and God has forgiven them and those around them have forgiven them, but they refuse to forgive themselves. It's really a form of shame. And then there's misplaced shame. In this case, someone has been the victim for example, a child is abused in some way. Oftentimes the trauma of the abuse will literally cause them to block the events out of their mind. Yet when they do remember, they are often overwhelmed with the feelings of worthlessness. That's misplaced shame. Matter of fact, sometimes they don't even have a full memory of all the things that's happened, but it's still working in the background of their mind. It is affecting how they're looking at every circumstance and situation. It is affecting every relationship that they're having. They feel guilty and responsible even though they are not to blame. But I have wonderful news for you today. Jesus took our shame. took our shame not only our true shame for wrongdoing but the misplaced shame which we may feel he took our shame to the cross 
Now, when we look at the cross and, and all that Jesus suffered, there's much there. For example, you know, we look at the sayings of Jesus. And one of my favorite sayings of Jesus on the cross is when he said, it is finished. And, and you have to understand, you know, Jesus at that moment was not saying, I'm done for. This is it. Okay, I give up. It's finished. I'm done. In reality, when you look at that word, it is finished in the Greek language, you find out it's a word, something to the effect, I'm not a real Greek scholar, but it's something to the effect of tetelestia. And what you did, if you looked in old documents, in old Greek tax receipts, you would see tetelestia written across it. In other words, paid in full. When Jesus Christ said on the cross, it is finished, he wasn't saying, I'm done for. He's saying, the job is done. Salvation's plan has been worked out debt paid in full the tearing of the veil from the top to bottom all the time before the high priest was the only one that could walk into the presence of God but when Jesus dies God the father takes the curtain and he rips it open and he says come on in to the holy of holies enjoy my presence that's why we can enjoy his presence here today because Jesus made a way through the veil that separated us from the presence of God the stripes on his back that brought us our healing him stating, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When he was experiencing really this, the absence, of the sensation of the absence of the presence of God. In a sense, at that moment, he was experiencing what will be the worst part of hell. He did that all for us. But I'd never fully grasped the importance of this one fact. When the soldiers crucified Jesus, they took his clothes. Dividing them into four shares, one for each of them, with the undergarment remaining. This garment was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. This leaves very little to the imagination. They took his clothes, all of his clothes. So here was Jesus hanging totally exposed on the cross. And it wasn't until I had this epiphany, this revelation that I realized what he was doing here was he was carrying our shame. He was suffering total humiliation for us. He was filled overflowing with shame. Hebrews 12, 2 says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. You see, there's this unique thing in the, in the life of Jesus and the death of Jesus. When he's in the garden of Gethsemane, you'll remember the story well, and and he's calling out to the Father. He has gone away from the disciples' ways. And he's spending this time of intercession right before he's going to the cross. And he's saying, Father, would you please, would you please let this cup pass from me? And, and it's a little bit baffling because of the fact that it really can't just be his death. Because he has nonchalantly a number of times said to his disciples, I'm getting ready to die. It really didn't seem to affect him because he looked beyond the grave to the empty grave. He looked beyond his death to the time that he would be resurrected and exalted as king of kings and lord of lords. So what was it? I really believe that he was struggling with the fact that he was getting ready to become sin and everything that was, that was wrong in the eyes of the father was going to come upon him. That he was going to take our guilt and that he was going to take our shame. But it did it willingly. Notice this. 
He took our shame. And since he took it, we don't have to carry it anymore. First Peter 2 says this. <clears throat> Excuse me. As you come to him, the living stone rejected by men, but chosen by God and precious to him. You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in Scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious stone, cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. The one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Not only do we avoid our future shame, we, he's carried our past shame. No, no matter if it's shame from actual wrongdoing on our part or misplaced shame that we've carried because of something someone has done to us, he carried our shame. Now there's a catch. If I asked you today who Jesus died for so that they could be forgiven of their sins, you would, of course, because you have such a well-versed pastor that preaches the word of God to you faithfully, you would say Jesus died for everyone, right? So why is not everybody saved? Because though Jesus died for everyone, not everyone will accept the sacrifice that he has made. They will not accept the free gift. Unfortunately, in the same way, he took our shame. But some are still carrying their own shame. Why? Because they have not allowed him to have it. I never will forget one time, Rondi, I had her journaling because it, it helped her to really sort through all that Jesus was doing in her life. And and she wrote one day, as God had taken her through so much healing process, she wrote one day and she said, I, I, she said I, I was opening the door for a lady to walk in and I found myself dropping my head and looking at the ground and she began to get a little bit frustrated and she said, why do I do that? Why do I still carry that stuff that someone else has done to me? And then she made this statement, but I know Jesus will lift my head and wipe my tears away. And when I read that passage, I was reminded of the scripture of the psalmist when he said, for thou, O Lord, art a shield to me, the glory and the lifter of my head. There are some of you here this morning, whether actually outwardly where others can see or inwardly because of simply the attitudes of your heart you're still hanging your head. You're still carrying the shame. I get angry when I see what happens to people in our world. I get tired of cleaning up messes. But my tiredness is not 
toward those who need help. I'm just tired of some messing up others' lives through lust and selfishness and ungodly living. And then I realize that it's often there's a chain that, that hurting people hurt people. And though I will not excuse or dismiss their wrongdoing, even those committing the heinous crimes are often themselves wounded people. But somebody's got to break the chain. The good news is Jesus' love is strong enough to heal the heart and to mend the life. Jesus can heal the brokenness of your heart and your inner being. If I had up here this morning a beautiful vase, or if you're more cultured, a vase, and I dropped it and it broke into pieces here on the platform, if I... If I had the right glue and I could find all the pieces and I could, I could get it right, which would be tough for me, I'm not that artistic. I, I could somehow get it glued back together. But it'd never be the same. You'd always be able to see the fracture lines, the crack lines. Here's what blows my mind about Jesus. Is that we come to him broken in pieces from what has been done to us and what we have done. And Jesus grants us forgiveness and then he puts all the pieces back together. And then he runs his hand from top to bottom and all the glue lines disappear and we're a more beautiful vessel than before we were broken. Not because of our sins and failures, but in spite of them. Musicians, could you come this morning, please? Jesus took your shame. And it's time to let him have it. Would you bow your heads with me for just a moment this morning? Now, the only way that he can relieve your shame is if you first allow him to release you from guilt. And there's only one way that can happen. It's not through positive thinking or just, uh, well, I'm going to stop doing those things. It's because you see, the Word of God tells us very plainly if we, in, if we commit an infraction toward any of God, God's laws, we are guilty of all and there's absolutely no way that we can do enough things to make up for even one act of wrongdoing. But Jesus, but Jesus, through him, because he took your place on the cross, you can experience the relief and the release of forgiveness. And I don't know you. This is my first time to walk into this building. I love being here. If I lived in Des Moines, it'd probably be a place that I would want to end up on a regular basis. Love it here. I don't know you, but Jesus does. I don't know what's going on in your heart, but Jesus does. And the very first thing I want to ask, if you're here today and you'd say, Pastor Don, I'm, I'm not in right relationship with Jesus Christ. He, he can't take my guilt, because my, my, my shame, because I still have my guilt. And I'm really ready for him to 
forgive me. If that's you, would you slip your hand up right now and say, that's me. I need, I need forgiveness today. I need salvation today. I need to be released of my guilt. Thank you for that hand. Anybody else? What's it cost? Well, it cost everything for God the Father, but it costs you nothing other than surrender. Is there anyone else? Thank you. Anybody else? In a moment, I'm going to have those people to come forward. I, your pastor and I had a conversation before, and so I know that you've not been doing this on a regular basis. And so when you come forward, if you can do your very best to practice social distancing, we would appreciate that. We want everyone to be safe. There are those that raise their hand for salvation, but, but I don't want them to come alone today. And, and um, I know that there's, I can I, I sense enough from this church that I know that there's intercessors in this place. And intercessors, I ask you to be praying right now. These next about three or four minutes are going to be some of the most important moments in this service. Because there's a spiritual battle going on in some hearts and lives right now. There are some people carrying shame. There are some people carrying shame for things that they have done and that Jesus has forgiven them from, but they are still carrying. And, and there are some people in this room probably that you don't even realize it, but they're carrying shame from what has been done to them. And today, God wants to make this. I know that tomorrow's that red later Valentine's Day, but God wants to give them a special Valentine today. Today, God wants to give them total release, but they got to give it to him. And so I need you to really intercessors I need to be praying. So here's what we're going to do. I'm not going to, I'm not going to ask for raised hands on this. We're going to allow the Holy Spirit's flowing through this place right now. He, he prompted me to preach this message. I, I prayed. I, I said, God, what do you want me to share? And he brought me to this message. And so I believe that there is a freedom that is offered to you today. And so if you raised your hand saying, I need salvation, I want you right with these other individuals. And if there's someone praying with you, just mention to them and say, I need to accept Christ. And if, if no one asks you about that, then if you turn your life over to Christ before you leave here today, you find someone, a staff member, someone to say, I confess my sins to the Lord today and he's forgiven me because you need to confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ. But right now here at this moment, this is the crux of the matter. There are here people here today that you're carrying shame and you're sick and tired of it. And if you're here, wherever you are, I just want you to stand to your feet and I want you to come and I want you to come and stand here in the presence of God. And when you get here, I just want you to take your hands and cup them in front of you and picture all of the shame and say, Jesus, you can have it because I can't carry it anymore. I can't carry it anymore. If that's you, I want you to begin walking forward right now. Right now. Right now. We're gonna wait just a moment because this is a this is a tough moment. This is a moment of decision. We're gonna wait because you see some have to have to get up the courage to 
you've been carrying this a long time. You might think, what are people going to think if they see me walk up there? I'm going to tell you right now, if they think bad of you walking up here, they're worse off than you are. Don't worry, you are in a safe place today. I sensed when I walked in the door this morning that this is a safe place. If you're here today and you're saying, I'm so sick and tired of carrying this, just give it to Jesus. I'm going to wait just a minute. There's about one or two more people that need to be up here and I, I don't want to rush. You say, well, let's do it when I get home. No, 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 no. The opportunity of a lifetime needs to be received in the lifetime of the opportunity. And I can't guarantee you, you're going to feel the presence of God at your house like you're feeling at this moment right now because he's drawing you. There needs to be an outward movement, an outward movement to what you're sensing in the inwardness of your heart. I'm waiting just a second because there's one more person that is just kind of at least one more that's saying, man, I, I want to go, but I'm afraid. And I, maybe I just, maybe next time and why carry it any longer? You have carried it long enough. You have looked down long enough. You have carried the pain and the agony long enough. It's time for freedom. We will speak the name of Jesus over you today and you will experience freedom. You will experience freedom. And we're getting ready to do two things. First of all, I need at least, I know there's staff, there's ministers. I need at least one person standing behind each one of these persons. Could you just move right now? Help me out quickly. Just, just come stand behind somebody right now. And those that are out here, that are here this morning, here's what I want you to do. First of all, we're going to lead there are individuals that raise their hand and say, I need to accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. So I want everybody in this room to pray this prayer with me right now. Would you please say, dear Jesus, I thank you that you died on the cross for me, that you took my sins. I have done things that are wrong. And I ask you today, to please forgive me, to come into my heart, to be my Savior and Lord. I give you my life in Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer, he heard that prayer and he forgave you. I want everybody to stand across this building right now, if you would, please. I want you to begin to reach a hand forward. And those that are here today and you say, I need him to take my shame. I want you to put your hands right in front of you right now. We're getting ready to go into a season of prayer because we're not just here for an emotional moment. We're here for a spiritual transformation. And right now, when I say three, I want you to raise your hands up and I want you to say, Jesus, I give you my shame. Picture all the stuff right now in your hands. And at the count of three, I just want you to say, Jesus, I give you my shame. And then you raise your hands and you accept the victory that he has for you and the freedom. Ready? One, two, three. Jesus, I give you my shame. That is call out upon him. Would you right now, through this place, begin to intercede and pray for these that are here right now? Hallelujah. 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 God, we know. We know, God, that you are able. And we pray, God, we can't do this. Emotional words won't be enough. But in the name of Jesus, right now, we ask, oh Lord, that you will reach down and that there will be a release from the guilt, God, a release from the shame. And that, God, they'll carry it no longer because they realize Jesus carried it for them. 
We walk in you, Jesus. We walk in the freedom that you have given us today. In the name of Jesus, hallelujah, hallelujah. Just would you just, just enjoy it this morning. Enjoy his presence today. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Glory be to your name. Can we just, we got a couple of moments. Can we just hold right here for a moment or so? Pastor Gary, feel free to come up if you will. Just if you want to pray over some individuals, hallelujah. worship him. The presence of the Lord is in this place this morning. Come on, lift your voice, lift your hands. Come on, congregation, let's not get weary in such short order. Let's worship the Lord together. Let's magnify him. Let's magnify him.
morning is the beginning of a journey and we want to walk with you on that journey so this morning there's going to be two ways for you to respond all right everybody hold up two fingers there are two ways for you to respond if you made a first-time commitment to christ we want to know that we want to connect with you and walk with you if you have experienced god's touching you in a unique way this morning those of you at the altar or in the chairs we want to connect with you and the way for us to know that is if you will text the word grow to 77411 and we'll be able then to respond back to you text the word grow to um, 77411 if you don't text there are cards in the seats in front of you just grab one of those cards write the word grow on there and your contact information drop it in the box on your way out because we don't want you to do this alone we don't want you to walk alone we want to walk alongside you it's important to make that connection so help us with that text the word grow to 77411 or make a note and drop it in the back and then second way for us to respond together i believe that when we've been ministered to in spiritual things we need to minister back in temporal things how many know that's the truth let me see your hands amen i believe that's the truth god's been in the house this morning and it's a journey for him to do the work in your life that heals you so that you can be free from the shame that has kept you in bondage and uh, what a great word from pastor don and we want to we want to encourage that in your life but we also want to minister back to him so we're going to receive an offering uh, this way if you have a check or cash you want to give you can use an offering envelope and put it in the in the offering at the back or you can text the dollar sign and the amount and the word speaker to 84321 the dollar sign and the amount the word speaker to 84321 how many of you believe that god blesses generosity amen i believe that god blesses a generous heart and if you're thankful for the word preached this morning if you're thankful for what god's done among us this morning this would be a great time for you to celebrate that let me hear your hands and let's celebrate jesus this morning amen 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 so two ways to respond text the word grow to 77411 and check your uh, uh, text your million dollar offering to 84321 all right and let's be a blessing to our guests this morning. Amen. God bless you. Greet one another. Encourage someone before you go this morning. Bless you, my friend.